Well, good morning, everyone. Welcome uh, again from, from me. My name's Barney. I lead the team here at Gateway. It is great uh, for you to be with us this morning. If it's your first time with us, just to reiterate this, please feel free to get connected with us. You can do that through our um, ability... Oh, sorry, is there something going on in the background here? No, we're all good. Okay. If, uh, yeah, if, you, if it's your first time with us uh, today, you can get connected by going to our website and going to the Get Connected button on our website. Um, or you can give us a call on our, uh, uh, on our uh, church office number and you can speak to us uh, during the week. But we'd love you to connect with us. We, as Debbie's already said this morning, we run a, a host of different groups you can connect with during the week. Um, or we can um, connect you in different ways into our church family. So if you've just started coming along, please feel free to connect with us but before I get going today I just want to kind of make a comment to our church family today and that's just a, a, a well done and a thank you and an encouragement to you because I know how difficult the season that we are in at the moment is for each one of us I know how tough it is I'm feeling it personally the first couple of lockdowns were difficult but this lockdown is particularly hard work isn't it as we've walked through a difficult season over Christmas in the dark days that we're in at the moment in terms of the the, the daytime hours being shortened the rain that we've had the, the lack of opportunities to be able to get outside. I know it's been difficult for many of us, but I just wanted just to encourage you, um, just with a, a well done, just for how well I feel that people are coping with it at the moment, just the stories that we're getting back in. And, and a thank you, really. A thank you for the fact that we continue to love one another. We continue to connect with one another so well. So um, Gateway Church is just such a joy to, be, uh, to, be, to be, be in the position I'm in in the church. It's such a joy to uh, partner with each of you as we uh, see God's kingdom come in Ashford and as we just love one another as church family. Uh, let's just keep going through this season we're in. Let's keep encouraging one another and exhorting one another as we walk through uh, this lockdown situation that we face. This week is our second week of our series on discipleship. And so last week I kind of introduced the series and I spoke about uh, two things. I said, first of all, that the, the disciples' journey uh, it starts with answering the call to follow Jesus. And that that call is then uh, reinforced and established as we live a life in the Holy Spirit. As we allow the Holy Spirit to uh, shape us, to challenge us, to draw us to Jesus. As we invite his presence into our lives every day, he draws us to Christ. And so the Holy Spirit is central in the life of the role of a disciple. But there are some other things as well that I think are really important in our discipleship journey, and that's the things that we're going to be looking at this series. And so let me just go through the other topics again for you to uh, remind you of what's coming up. So uh, we are going to be looking at knowing our identity in Christ, growing in obedience to Christ's word, living in Christ's community, sharing in Christ's mission, taking up Christ's cross. And today we're going to look at being dependent on the grace of Christ. It's really important that we understand the importance of grace. In fact, actually, as I tried to come up with a model for discipleship, I was tempted at one, at one stage to put grace and the Holy Spirit as the central elements and run everything else off around those two things. If I was going to um, come up with two things that are central in the, the life of the disciple, grace would definitely be there. Let me read you this from Romans 5:17. If because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What's Paul saying here in Romans? Well, he's saying that because of Adam's sin, death entered the world and it reigned over us. Because Adam sinned, our forefather sinned, death entered the world. Where there wasn't death, death entered the world. And 
as death entered the world, it reigned over us. It had a hold over humanity. But now, because of Jesus, those who receive the grace of God, rather than being reigned over by death, can reign in life. So receiving God's grace enables us to reign in life. As we receive God's grace, we are able to reign in life. I don't, I don't know about you, but I've never come across anybody who receives a gift at Christmas and they don't open it. You, you don't receive a gift at Christmas and have that gift under the tree and go, well, that's a beautifully wrapped present. I, I tell you what I'm going to do when I take the Christmas decorations down. I'm not going to unwrap that present this year. I'm going to leave it. I'm going to put it away until next Christmas because it's so beautifully wrapped and I, I don't want to open it. I don't know anybody like that. In fact, actually, the, the better wrapped a present is, the more I want to open it and see what's inside it. Grace is a, is a gift to each of us, and we have to unwrap that present just like somebody would unwrap a gift at Christmas. We have to unwrap it fully and see what's inside of it. You see, there, there is a consequence, I think, that if we don't open the present fully, we can end up getting caught in three, one of three different issues. And these three different issues are what we're going to look at this morning. What happens when we don't receive, we don't learn to open the present of God's abundant grace? Here's my three issues that we're going to just look at this morning. You might end up living in denial of God's love for you. Secondly, maybe you might end up feeling like you have to try and earn God's love. So if you don't unwrap this present of grace, you either try and earn God's love and approval or you just deny his love over your life. Or thirdly, and this is a problem that I know many people face, everyday problems just feel overwhelming to us. If we don't unwrap that grace gift in our lives, we can encounter one of these three things. So first of all, perhaps maybe you've not unwrapped this grace gift in your life and you are living in a denial of God's love. Maybe you uh, live in a way that uh, your failures and mistakes don't deserve forgiveness. Maybe that's how you think and access God at the moment. You think, well, my failures and my mistakes mean that I'm not going to access forgiveness. I don't deserve his love. This is uh, the orphan heart. That Andy Robinson, I know we've mentioned him already this morning, Andy Robinson spoke about recently. And that's actually based on a book by Jack Frost, a funny name but great book, uh, Spiritual Slavery to Spiritual Sons. We can live with an orphan mentality towards God, yet we're adopted as his sons and daughters. You see, we can deny God's love over us, even though God's love is there for us. Let me just give you this through a a bit of a, a biblical picture. So, uh, the life of Peter is one that I'm going to keep coming back to and one that um, we're going to focus on in, in, in another week as well. The life of Peter uh, is, is, an, is an incredible uh, kind of story on discipleship. We see Peter, as I said last week, accepting the call to follow Jesus, laying down his nets, giving up being a fisherman and coming and following Jesus. But at the end of Luke, we see Peter doing something uh, different, actually. We see him failing completely. So Peter's walked with Jesus, he's followed Jesus, he's seen Jesus perform miracles, he's seen Jesus uh, transfigured to his heavenly glory. Yet as Jesus uh, approaches the time when he's about to die on the cross, he says to Peter, Peter, I tell you, you are going to deny me three times. And Peter says to him, almost out of arrogance or overconfidence, surely not, Lord, never, never will I do that. And then the next day as Jesus is arrested, he's taken to the high priest's house and Peter follows behind him. Peter uh, is following and he goes to the courtyard of the high priest's house and he waits there. 
A fire is made in the middle of the courtyard and Peter goes to stand by the fire, warming his hands. And three different people approach him as he's there and they say, you knew Jesus, you were with him. You were one of his followers. And Peter denies Jesus, not once or twice, but three times. And then he looks over, the cock crows, he looks over, he sees Jesus and he weeps bitterly because he knows that he has failed. We all encounter failure. We all encounter moments where we get it wrong, where we make a huge mistake. Peter's life uh, to this point could be marked by this moment, this incredible failure. And it is an incredible failure, isn't it? Here's the disciple who's followed Jesus really closely. He's walked with James and John. He's one of Jesus' three closest disciples. And he completely blows it, doesn't he? He completely blows it. Completely kind of uh, denies Jesus. But it doesn't end there. John actually picks up the story. At the end of John's gospel, we read how Peter is restored to Jesus. What we find is that Jesus is risen again from the dead, and the disciples, interestingly, have gone back to doing what they did before Jesus called them in the first place in Luke 5. You remember our story last week? Here in John 21, they've gone back to fishing again. They're out on the lake, they're fishing, and they see a a person on the shoreline. They can't quite see him through the morning mist. And they're fishing in their boat, and the person calls out to them, throw your net out again, cast it on the other side. And so they do, and they take a huge haul of fish. Wow, what an interesting connection to our first story that we looked at last week. They take in this huge haul of fish, and Peter goes, it's Jesus, he knows it's him straight away. So Peter gets out of the boat, doesn't wait for the boat to get to the shore, but swims back to shore. Then they have breakfast together, probably eating some of those fish that they've just taken. And then Jesus takes Peter aside. And Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me? And and Peter says, yeah, of course, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus says to him again, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Three times. The three times that Peter has denied Jesus... Jesus calls him back. Jesus brings him back to a place of restoration. Jesus brings him back to a place of wholeness again with Jesus. So Peter denies Jesus. He completely blows it. Yet Jesus brings Peter back. This is grace. Peter doesn't deserve it. Peter doesn't deserve that kind of love. Peter doesn't deserve that kind of relationship. But yet Peter receives it anyway. You know the interesting thing about this story is that in the synoptic gospels, that's Matthew, Mark, Luke, so they're called the synoptics because they're very similar to one another in terms of their content. And so if you look at biblical scholarship, most people would agree that Mark was written first, followed by Luke and Matthew, and then John is written much later. So John writes his account much later on than the others. And John is the only one to tell the story of Peter's restoration. John wants to Tell the readers, tell the early Christians what happens, what grace looks like. John wants to remind everybody what happened to Peter. He wants to ensure us that actually, look, Peter was fully restored. This is what grace looks like. But you see, the problem for you and I is that so often we act like the John story doesn't take place in our own lives. So we act like Peter did without the restoration. We think, oh, God, I don't deserve God's love. I don't deserve God's forgiveness. You see, the truth is actually you don't deserve God's love or forgiveness, yet he gives it to you anyway. We can act like we don't deserve God's love, and we use that as a mask for all our insecurities 
Yet the reality is we don't deserve that love. Yet his grace, in his grace, he gives it to us anyway. You see, grace is getting all you don't deserve. God chooses you. He chooses you to love. And in the words of Deuteronomy, he chooses to set his affection on you. That's how, that's how God talks about his love for you. He sets his affection on you. He makes you a daughter or son. He calls you righteous. He gives you his spirit. That is grace. We don't deserve it. And so often we live like it's not actually happened to us. But God gives it to us anyway. Terry Virgo says this. It's hard for us to comprehend the intensity of God's love for those he commits himself to. God in his grace has fully committed himself to you. Fully committed himself to you. In the Old Testament, particularly in Ezekiel, you see God presented as a faithful husband to a wife who is adulterous. This wife goes after other men. She uh, sleeps around. But God remains faithful to his wife. Who's the wife? His wife is the people of Israel. They go after other gods. They, they worship other gods and they don't remain faithful to God. Yet God remains committed to them. If you read Ezekiel, you'll see the astounding measure of God's grace towards a people who constantly reject him. And this is what Peter encounters as Jesus restores him over the lake, uh, over breakfast by the lake, the faithfulness, love and grace of God. Too often we allow failure, sin and our own insecurity to define our relationship with God. We live like Peter without the restoration, ashamed and disgraced. See, understanding grace is one of the key, uh, keys to the Christian life. Because through this, you will understand God's love for you. If you understand God's grace, you start to understand his love for you. You start to come to, to terms with the measure, the great measure of how wide and how high and how deep is the love of God. You see, the amazing thing is you don't deserve God's, God's love, but yet he gives it to you anyway. He lavishes his love upon you. And we need to receive that love and live in it, not deny ourselves access to it because God has given it to us freely. So that's the first point. Maybe you deny God's love over your life. You live like Peter without the restoration story. Secondly, maybe you feel completely oppositely like you have to earn God's love. You have to earn his approval. You see, some of us live in failure whilst others of us try and earn his approval. Surely we think the more good we do, if I do, be if I do better, if I try harder, if I pray more, if I love my neighbour more, God will love me more. The more obedient I am, surely he'll, he's going to love me just that little bit more. He's going to approve of me more. The more, maybe it's the more money I give. The more money I give to him, he'll love me that little bit more. Now, Paul paints a picture in the New Testament. He paints grace as opposed to the law. Okay, so... It's like two opposing teams, pick whatever sport you want, two opposing teams battling it out against one another. The law, God's perfect law, given to Moses, is completely perfect. This is one side of the coin, writes Paul. It's, it's a fight between these two things. Grace and law, they're opposed to one another. Now, the Pharisees, are, and I talk about them a lot, they're key to the New Testament, okay? The Pharisees are an overtly religious group of people, of Jews, in the time of Jesus. And they thought that if they observed every letter of God's law, they would have access to God. They would be, uh, they, God would love them more. God would accept them more. They would, be, they would be the ones who are in the right. And this is a very similar pattern to the way that we see other world religions today. Now, Islam is exactly in this, in this kind of mould. If you follow the five pillars of Islam, you have access to the kingdom of God. You are able to enter heaven. 
If you are a Hindu, you take your offerings to the gods that you worship, and in doing so, you gain their approval, you gain their respect, you gain their gratitude. You see, both of those religions and the Pharisees taught that the external things you do means you can meet God's approval. Yet what we find is we are utterly powerless to do all the things God says that we need to do. I once bought uh, the most amazing app ever. It was like literally brilliant. So I bought this app for my phone and it was called, at the time it was called Wonderlist, but now I think it's called Todoist, okay? And so this app uh, was a tick list. It sounds, it sounds very simple, but I thought it was the most amazing thing ever. I bought it for my phone, for my tablet, for my laptop. And uh, this enabled me to start ticking off lists of things that I needed to do every day. I'm a very creative person, as, I've, uh, as you know, I used to be an art teacher. And like Picasso, Picasso apparently uh, made lists and lists and lists of different things. He never actually ticked off any of them, but he made lists to make himself feel like he was in control of his life. Like Picasso, I like to make lists of the things I, I need to do, and I don't normally get them all done. So I got this app anyway, and I got this app, and this app was fantastic, the most foolproof system ever. So you'd put your to-do task in, and it would give you a date at which it needed to be done by. And if you didn't do it, it would send you a notification saying that you hadn't done it. And so I would uh, open my phone or my tablet or my laptop at the end of a day, and I would get these notifications. Ping, ping, ping. It would go, you haven't done X, you haven't done Y, you haven't done Z. Oh, for the first few days, it was amazing. It really helped me to stay on track with the things I needed to do. Problem was, also, I'd given it access to remind me via email as well. But after about a week and a half, it started to really wear me down. Here was all the things that I'd said that I was going to do. Here was all the things that I needed to get done. Yet I was being constantly reminded of all the things I hadn't done, of all the ways that I had failed, of all the ways and the things that I needed to still get done, but I couldn't do. I didn't feel like I was achieving anything. In fact, actually, I just felt condemned. The app was perfect, perfectly told me of all the things that I needed to do. Yet I was completely powerless to get the things done that I needed to. This is a picture of the law. The law is perfect. The law is perfect, but we are powerless to fulfill it. But then Jesus comes along. And imagine for a second, take my app analogy for a minute, and you open your app and you realize somebody else has come along and they've done all your tasks for you. They've ticked off everything that you needed to do. That's what Jesus does as he comes to the cross, as he rises again to new life. He ticks off every letter of the law so that you and I are free from it. Many of us know this, right? But if we don't daily receive the grace of God, we end up drifting towards a, 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 I need to, a, I need to get God's approval type mentality. This is the tick list of things. If I do these list of things, he's going to love me just that little bit more. And that is not how grace works. Thirdly, maybe you're not like uh, the first box, you uh, deny God's love for you. Or maybe not like the second box where you try and earn God's approval. And I have to say, I'd be in that second camp, okay? So often I can fall into an approval type mentality. If I just do that little bit more, actually I know that that is not how grace works. And I need to keep leaning in on grace. But maybe you're in a third camp. Maybe you feel like everyday problems just overwhelming. Paul says in Philippians, Philippians 4, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. 
So Paul doesn't let situations, circumstances or daily life overwhelm him. How? What's his secret? Well, I think he lives in the grace of God. He has learned to keep opening the present of God's grace to him. Too often, you and I struggle with our failure and we don't remind ourselves of God's grace towards us. We can live a life shaped by the challenges that we face and the disillusionment with ourselves rather than in the knowledge of the grace of God over our lives. Too many of us are allowing failure and not grace to shape our thought life and habits. Without grace is that foundational element that we build our lives upon. Over, uh, we can become overwhelmed by everyday problems. We can get ourselves all twisted and beat up by the small stuff. You know, as daily life goes on, it's like we get heavier and heavier and heavier and we get weighed down by all these different things that we start carrying. Living in grace isn't pretending that our circumstances don't exist. It's not kidding ourselves that everything is fine when it's not. That's just, that's just making stuff up. It's not true. It is, however, knowing like, like Paul that we can be content and steadfast in every situation we encounter. I think the reality is, is that we all fail sometimes and others fail us. But it's our attitude towards those moments that is key. You see, you have to receive God's grace. You have to realise that it all rests on Jesus' success. We have to start resting in the grace of God in our lives. Alongside living in the spirit and walking in obedience, Dallas Willard actually says that if you want to grow in spiritual formation and transformation, learning to deal with everyday life, funny isn't it? What a simple thing, learning to deal with everyday life is the key to growing as a Christian. See, uh, you know, James says, consider it joy when you face trials of many kinds. we, we, we We don't behave in that way. Life throws up problems for each of us every day. Sometimes we fail, sometimes we are failed. Sometimes disaster hits us and life's little problems niggle at us. And our response at those moments, folks, is critical. Too often, what we do is we run away from God. We run away from him. And what we do is we make him our last point of call rather than the first person we go to. And instead what we do is we offload onto everybody else. I'm going to tell you all about my problems all the time. Here's all the problems that I'm facing. And every niggle and every little life challenge that we face, rather than going to God with it and bringing it to Jesus, what we do is we just offload it either onto other people or we try and carry it ourselves. You see, you won't grow in God unless you start growing in his grace and knowing his grace over your life. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, by the grace of God, I am what I am. See, he had known the, the secret to be content in every situation, the grace of God. He was who he was because the grace of God in his life had changed him. Because of all the failures and the things that he'd done in the past. Just look at Paul's life. He, he was one who persecuted those Christians early on. But yet he knew uh, as he came to Jesus that that past had been washed away. And he could establish his life not on who he was or who he thought he was, but on God's grace over his life. We can establish our lives in that same grace. We need to live out of the confidence of who we are in Jesus. So I've given you three camps, three misunderstandings, three different ways that we can get that kind of uh, the, the, the whole idea of grace mixed up and wrong. But how do you receive God's grace? How do you open that present of grace in your life? Well, it, we're going to be saying this every week or something similar. Disciples don't just listen, they act. Okay? So what are you going to do this week as a result of what I've said today? What are you going to change about your life, each of us. I know for me today, as I've been preparing this, 
I know I need to just rest again on God's grace. Stop trying to earn God's approval. Stop trying to live in that, in that way. And also sometimes trying to earn other people's approval as well. We can do that. I need, to earn, I need to just keep learning God's grace over my life. What are you going to do today? What is gonna, what's God challenged you through what I've said today? So how can you receive God's grace? Well, I think that maybe this week you could give yourself over to a daily prayer, something like this. Jesus, I just receive your grace today. Remind yourself of it again every morning when you wake up. Holy Spirit, I welcome you into my life today. And Jesus, I receive your grace today. Jesus, I receive your grace today. Perhaps that's where you need to start this week. Or maybe you want to start with a biblical study on grace. Maybe you want to read one of Paul's letters or, or, or the letters to the Romans, particularly what a great um, a message on grace that is. Or maybe you want to go even a step further than that. Maybe you want to read a book on grace. And I would recommend Terry Virgo's, I quoted from it earlier, God's lavish grace. You know, as we dwell in grace, as we build our lives on a foundation of grace, empowered by the Spirit, we will grow in our walk with Jesus and we will grow in confidence in walking with Jesus. And as we do that, actually, we can grow in all the other aspects as well, obedience to Christ, knowing our identity in him. So grace is a foundational element. And my encouragement to you is to lean in on grace this week. Keep reminding yourself of God's great grace to you, that you don't deserve it, you haven't earned it, it's completely undeserved and unmerited, yet it is a gift of favour from God to you. We're going to finish our meeting in a couple of minutes' time. And today, we're going to do something slightly different. We're going to invite anybody who wants prayer this morning for anything that I've said. Maybe you just feel like, oh boy, everyday problems are just so difficult for me. I just, I need God's grace again. Or maybe you feel today that you've just been denying his love for you. Or maybe today you've just been feeling like you've just been trying to earn God's approval and you just want some prayer. So we're going to invite you to pray with us over Zoom. And so what we're going to invite you to do is to join the coffee morning Zoom 20 minutes early. I'll pop you in some break, breakout rooms with uh, some people who will pray for you um, and we will go from there. Um, so um, just before I do that though, Fran Pemberthy actually texted me just before this um, today and it really fits uh, Fran with what I've said. I, I imagine you, you know that now. Um, she said this, I saw people covered in mud, weighed down by outside pressures and inside turmoils. The more they tried to clean themselves, the worse they got. I saw a refreshing and a washing away coming over them. As we come to Jesus and we allow his spirit to speak words of life into us, as we come to Jesus and we remind ourselves of his great grace over our lives, we realise we don't have to try and wash stuff away, that he has done it for us. Amen? So if you feel today you want to be prayed for, just to receive the grace of God again, we would like to do that with you in a second. But as we close our time together, everyone, I'm going to close the meeting in prayer. So Lord Jesus, we thank you that you've come into the world. Lord Jesus, we thank you that because of your life, death and resurrection, we are no longer under the law, but we are under grace. We are no longer under a list of things we have to try and get right, but Lord, we can just lean into your grace. Lord Jesus, I thank you that we don't have to deny your love over our lives, but Lord, we can come confident uh, to, to you, knowing that you love us, that you've forgiven us, knowing that you are fully committed to us. And Lord Jesus, I thank you that even though each of us face everyday problems and everyday niggles, Lord Jesus, I thank you that because of your grace over our lives, Lord, we can know uh, freedom, we can know confidence, we can know uh, steadfastness. So Lord, we pray today, would your grace be 
poured out upon each one of us again, that we might be able to fully open the great gift of your grace to us in the week ahead. Amen. Well, thank you for joining us today. If you want prayer, please join Zoom now, and uh, we'll see you on there shortly.